1972, the Miami Dolphins became the first and only team in NFL history to go through an entire season unbeaten. The strength of Don Shula's team was in its balance rather than its brilliance, though there were performers of superstar quality on the roster. Basically, Miami ran a conservative, straight-ahead offense that featured number 39 fullback Larry Zonka. It was grinding, steady, mistake-proof football. On defense as well, Miami allowed its opponents no margin for error. Before the coming of Don Shula, the Dolphins' biggest name was Flipper, who frolicked in a tank in the east end zone of the half-empty Orange Bowl. The fans who were there enjoyed the sun more than the outcome of Dolphin games. But Shula soon changed sunbathers into flag wavers, as Miami earned instant success under his command. In 1970, Shula's first season as coach, a team that had won only three games the year before, won ten and made the playoffs. In his second season, Miami won 12 and reached the Super Bowl. In 1972, Shula's third year, the Dolphins were literally unstoppable. Brainy Bob Greasy was the Dolphins' leader on the field. He quarterbacked an offense that broke a 36-year-old record to become the greatest running team in NFL history. an offensive line that was simply awesome, Miami became the first to have 2,000-yard runners on the same squad. The inside man was Zonka, the prototype of the bruising fullback. He was perfectly complemented by the outside moves and speed of number 22, Mercury Marks. irony of this perfect season was that Bob Greasy was lost in the fifth game with a broken leg. But ageless veteran Earl Morrow replaced him, and in one of the great relief roles in sports history, the offense never missed a beat. Miami's famous no-name defense also came to the rescue, performing brilliantly and often putting points on the scoreboard themselves. Doing this at night to disguise my face a little, Bonnie's hanging with me, 
And that voice, of course, is John Fassender. And that 1972 Dolphins team was so much fun to watch. I moved to South Florida during the summer of 1972, a lifelong Eagles fan. But once the season starts, as one week rolls into the next, this team mesmerizes me. And they finished the regular season undefeated 14-0. The first playoff game scheduled for Saturday in the Orange Bowl against the Cleveland Browns. But I'm at work on Thursday when the news comes across the radio. The game's not sold out 72 hours in advance, so the game's blacked out in our viewing area. No game on TV. What the fuck? Now what? I got it. Let's rent an airplane. Believe it or not, easier than it sounds. I got three new buddies by then, and two of them, plus me, are taking flying lessons at Safari Aviation at North Perry Airport in Miramar. And the fourth buddy already has his pilot's license. So we just reserve a four-seater Cessna from Safari for Saturday. Nothing to it. So, come Saturday, we hop in that plane and fly across the state to Fort Myers, a different viewing area. We radio the towers we're landing and request a baggage cart. Sure enough, a baggage cart comes out, picks us up, carts us to the airport, and we watch the game in the airport lounge with cheeseburgers, fries, and a few coldness. Against a background of blue skies, Miami's Orange Bowl was the setting for the undefeated Dolphins to play Nick Scorich's surprising Cleveland Browns. Miami coach Don Shula might have been haunted by the specter of past games against these Browns. The only time Miami met Cleveland was Shula's first year, and the Browns shut him out 28-0. With Baltimore in 1968, the only loss was to the Browns. And in 1964, the Colts were shut out 27-0 in the championship game. The Cleveland Browns are happy to be here at all. They lost all six of their preseason games and floundered disastrously the first half of the season. But they pulled together and, in a great team effort, won eight of their final nine games, ten in all, for the wild card berth in the AFC. This man, Mike Phipps, has been the reason. One of the ironies of this playoff game is that it was the draft rights to Phipps that Cleveland obtained in return for Paul Warfield, one of the most gifted receivers ever to play football. It was one of the biggest, most daring trades ever in the NFL, and it is now paying off for both teams. Cleveland's very first play from scrimmage served to show young Phipps what he had to overcome all day as his first pass was tipped by two players and then intercepted. Or was it? Whether or not linebacker Doug Swift intercepted or trapped the ball had no bearing on the outcome as Cleveland held Miami scoreless until this play midway through the first quarter. In super slow motion, we can see number 49, rookie Charlie Babb, pour through untouched to block Don Cockroft's punt. Babb recovered the ball himself at the five, and then was escorted by an honor guard of Dolphins into the end zone for the first score of the game. This touchdown was important because both clubs agreed that if Miami scored first, a Cleveland comeback would be nearly impossible considering the Dolphins' record-breaking ground game, which was capable of controlling a game. 
but so far the tenacious Cleveland defense had stopped Larry Zonka and Mercury Morris. And it wasn't until Miami sprung Paul Warfield on an end around that the Dolphins had any success on the ground. After Warfield's run, Morrow went deep to Warfield at the Cleveland goal line. But number 84, Bob Briggs, one of Cleveland's stopgap defensive ends, blindsided Morrow and caused his pass to fall short of Warfield into the hands of two defenders who unsuccessfully fought each other for the ball. It was a play that could have gone either way, touchdown or interception. Instead, the Dolphins settled for a Garrel Upremian field goal from the 40, and their lead increased to 10 points. Here at the end of the first quarter, the Cleveland offense got going for the first time. Bo Scott exploded on runs that took the ball into Dolphin territory. Then at the start of the second quarter came the kind of a play that often goes unnoticed until well after the game is over. Mike Phipps drilled a perfect pass to Frank Pitts, who had beaten the zone. For the Browns, it was another painful almost. On the very next play from the Miami 25, Phipps passed right into the arms of Curtis Johnson to end a fine Cleveland drive. This was only one of five interceptions Miami's famed no-name defense would get today. Prior to the game, experts had said that Cleveland needed to play a perfect, errorless game to have any chance of beating the Dolphins. Yet last Sunday, they made a myriad of mistakes and still were in the ball game. The reason was the surprisingly strong Cleveland defense, which in the first half continually stopped the best running game in pro football history. When the Dolphins tried to pass, Morrow found himself intensely pressured by a front four led by its tackles Jerry Shirk and Walter Johnson, number 71. For the entire first half, Miami's passing attack totaled 12 yards. It wasn't until the second half, after Miami again was forced to relinquish the ball without scoring, that Cleveland began its second concerted drive. It was detonated by a fine, 38-yard punt returned by Tom Darden, Cleveland's number one draft choice. Then with a pump to his backs that pulled in the right linebacker, Mike Phipps found tight end Milt Morn for 21 yards to the Miami 23. After a pass to Fair Hooker brought the ball to the nine, Phipps rolled out faked a pass at the line, and then brushed past two Dolphins and squeezed his way into the end zone for a Cleveland touchdown. At the start of the final period, Miami added a field goal, and Cleveland, now trailing by 6, 13-7, began another long drive, spearheaded by the passing of Mike Phipps and the running of bruising Bo Scott. 
after a pass over the middle to Fair Hooker had brought Cleveland into Dolphin Land, Pip started one of the day's strangest plays with a poor pass that was intercepted by Dick Anderson, but wound up in the hands of Fair Hooker at the Miami 30. Another surprise in this game was the fine showing of the Browns' offensive line that gave Phipps excellent protection for most of the game. But one play after the fumbled interception, Phipps stood his ground despite a hard rush by number 84, Bill Stanfield, and it paid off with a touchdown to Fairhooker all alone at the goal line. The Cleveland contingent went wild as the Browns came from behind the powerful Dolphins to take the lead 14-13. But there was still eight minutes to go and Miami led by Paul Warfield had it when they needed it most. After the former Brown took a pass between two defenders and survived a high-low tackle, Warfield got a step on defender Ben Davis and made a great catch of an overthrown pass by Earl Morrill. After an interference call on a pass intended for Warfield at the Cleveland goal line, Jim Kick atoned for an earlier fumble by crashing through the Cleveland defense with a score that put Miami ahead for good. Fittingly, the man who made the difference was Paul Warfield, for whom this game had a special meaning. He alone had accounted for 60 of the 80 yards that brought the winning touchdown. Also fittingly, it was Jim Kick who had scored it. For he, perhaps more than any other player, symbolizes the unselfish teamwork that makes the Miami Dolphins a great team. And appropriately, the first man waiting to congratulate Kick on the sidelines was Mercury Morris, the man who took his job. Now, as Cleveland coach Skoritz watched with impending doom, Cleveland put together a final effort and drove deep into Dolphin territory with less than a minute remaining. But Miami sealed the win with their fifth interception of a Mike Phipps pass. Linebacker Doug Swift second of the afternoon. Browns and Mike Phipps had nearly pulled off the upset of the year. But in the end, Don Shula's Dolphins had their 15th consecutive victory and perhaps the renewed impetus to propel them to the Super Bowl.
The Dolphins pull it out 20-14. The baggage cart hauls us back to the Cessna, and then we fly back to Miramar. Four happy dudes. This is obviously a once-in-a-lifetime experience for all four of us. And I doubt many people in the universe can claim anything similar. And the cost for that once-in-a-lifetime experience. Are you ready for this? 200 smackers. And I don't mean 200 apiece. I mean 200 smackers total. 50 bucks apiece. Today, $200 wouldn't pay for the gas. So that's it for today. Thanks for stopping in. Until next time. See you. And that's a wrap.